Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255 or text us at 580-580. Ding dong. Ding dong. That's what we're missing in the intro. Our little ding dong. <laughs> we were singing an, an intro for ourselves downstairs, just trying it out. Yeah, not so good. Nope. Not, not so good. Not nope. so good. It was so, funny, so, but not so good. Yeah, so Dora's in for Paul. Yes. Hello, hello. And uh, you might be in a few weeks. I hope you don't have any vacations planned because I happen to see a, Paul, of course, is posting all these videos and pictures. And the last one that I saw was the one where it actually, the name of the boat. And he's on the SS Minnow. So I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking we're not going to see Paul for a while. Yeah, Self-titled boat. <laughs> you know, he said he got a great deal. Now we know why he got a great deal. SS Minnow. Doesn't buy breakfast. Is he going for a three-hour tour? A, yeah, yeah, he's going on a three-hour tour, yep. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hey, it's the end of January already. It is the end of January. It when is, is this of... spring market going to start? Uh, you know what? I think it has started in parts. So the spring market has uh, has started that last week, though, with the weather. Definitely saw a little bit of a slowdown in in activity just because, you know, it was hard to get out of your door, let alone go look at homes. But uh, the spring market is, it's trickling. It's trickling. Buyers are on the sidelines, but we are seeing some activity. Uh, the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, inventory still remains low. We're just over 2,000 listings, so 2,030 listings. Um, All right, in, so in the fall, we were at 4,000, weren't we? Yes. So did those fall off or did those actually sell? What happened with those? Some expiries, yeah. some cancellations, some people who thought, well, I'm just going to take it off the market and and then relist in the spring. Um, with respect to seasonality, it's very, very difficult because we're not quite following a pattern yet. And so right now, there are, you know, there's a scarcity of buyers. And so the inventory, although low, there is a lot of choice for buyers. So it's, it's, it's an interesting time, for sure. Are buyers getting accustomed to these rates now? Do they have to come down before we get a surge? Or are they just going to go, you know what, it is what it is. Let's just do it. Well, it's a good question. I mean, Bank of Canada did their, we hope, last increase uh, this past week. And uh, we hope, I'm, as much as he mentioned, now he's probably going to pause. He also said a little over a year ago. That yeah, but their forecast be... for inflation is better. Much, well, because it's year-over-year well, year numbers. We're from the peak, yeah. But, but it's year-over-year year numbers, right. right? But they're so saying 3% numbers, this year and 2% yeah. next year. Yeah, because it's year-over-year year numbers. So, you know, inflation numbers, we really started to see them escalate last February. So now that we start comparing year-over-year, we should start to see our, our inflation numbers get down into the threes and fours at some point in the next couple of months. You know, if and we should be prices, seeing some of the results from these interest rates, too, now kick in. It usually takes about six months, right? Well, again, it's a lagging indicator in many cases. So, um, you know, the, the interesting part is that the bond market, you know, really came down on Wednesday and then kind of got back to where it was uh, before the Bank of Canada announcement. So we're back on even par from last week. But... It's a good indicator of what is likely going to happen. And when you see the bond market start to, you know, dwindle down, that's a good indicator of the likelihood of prime rate also starting to come down. But it's always six to nine months in arrears. So, so you know. Do you think we, we're stuck at this prime rate for six to nine months? Yeah, I do. Unless, unless a recession numbers come in and, you know, it hits us harder. I believe the TIF Macklem now is going to pause 
And when he says pause, he means pause for probably at least six months. So, you know, by the time we hit the fall, he might be in a position to lower, start lowering prime rates. But it's only if the numbers warrant it, because if they don't warrant it, then he'll leave it the way it is because he doesn't want to bring them down just to bring them back up. So I think his goal is to lead them the way they are, which from a mortgage standpoint, is going to drive more people to fixed rate mortgages instead of variable rate mortgages because that spread keeps widening now, which sounds crazy, but keeps widening where the fixed is better, way better than the variable. And But beware because if that. these rates come down and you have to get out of your mortgage, you are in trouble. You are from a standpoint of if you're with a major bank, again, the major banks still have posted rates. Now, the gap between the rates they're giving you and the posted rates is smaller than it was three, uh, you know, six months ago and a year ago, but there's still a gap there. And what happens is they use that gap to to, to charge the penalty. So if you go with a non-bank lender, then then it's rate to rate. But still, at that point, you got to pay the interest rate differential. So is it worth it to go from a four? You know, right now we can get four five nine, and if rates come down to three five nine, and you've got four years left on it, is it worth it to play that one percent? interest for the four years just to get the lower rate because you're really paying it up front. So if you are taking a fixed rate mortgage, uh, you know, you just got to accept the fact that that's, you're going to be in it likely for the five-year period because it'll be too expensive to get out of it. It'll be huge money to get out of it. Well, it'll be huge. But if it's, again, if it's with a non-bank lender, it's the interest rate differential. So if the interest rate differential is 1% and you got a $400,000 mortgage, then it's $4,000 a year. Not so bad. You know, it's not awful as opposed to if the interest rate differentials with the big bank and the big bank's posted rate is, you know, six and a half percent, and all of a sudden you're paying a two and a half percent premium per year, then that becomes expensive. Then that's ten thousand dollars a year for the each year for the remaining years, and if you got four years left on Oof. it, that's forty thousand bucks. So that's a big difference. Um, but again, at the end of the day, right now, I think it's a tough decision for people to make when it comes to choosing whether to go with the variable, because the variable might be the smart choice. A little bit of risk associated with it from the standpoint that you're paying a premium in the initial four, five, six months. But if you believe that a recession is going to hit us and bond markets believe that that's going to happen and they're going to start to lower the bond markets, which means the fixed rates will come down, then you'll be able to convert it to a fixed at some point and save yourself money for the long term. But there's Yeah, but if you're in it, you're not going to convert later, are you? Oh, sure. I wouldn't. Well... Again, you could say that, but if prime rate has no chance of coming down and you're, you know, we're starting at 6.7 today, so the bank's prime rate is 6.7, you're starting at that, and even if you got prime minus one, which not many banks are giving, but let's say you got prime minus one, so now you're at 5.7. If all of a sudden you're at 5.7 and, you know, the banks or the lenders start posting a five-year fixed at 3.89, that's a 2% hit. Mm. And... You know, for some people, they're going to look at it and they're going to say, well, I think the prime rate's going to come down, but how long is it going to take for prime rate to come down two I, points? I think that's that's it, right? Where Where um, is the you're delta? You're trying to time it. Yeah, you're trying to time. Like, just like but you're trying hard. to time purchasing at the right yep. time, you're trying to time your mortgage. And it's it just comes down to, you know, your risk, reward, and sort of your... Well, your tolerance as well, your right. risk tolerance. That's and right. for some people... They believe, and some banks are still calling people and telling them that rates are going to continue to go up, even though everybody in their higher up in their organization says otherwise. 
somehow at the branch level they're telling customers, but it's a sales tactic. It's, I was just going to say, I mean, yeah, of course you get it compensated is. for how many mortgages you lock in. Of course right? it is, and they want to retain <laughs> the business, and they don't want the business going elsewhere. And there's some banks that are just not priced well right now. They're looking at bottom line uh, for them. They're looking to increase their bottom line because they realize the volumes are are going to be a little lower this year. So they've got elevated rates. And so they want a bigger piece. And they know they're not getting business from the outside, which is the mortgage broker channel. So what they're doing is they're really going hard at their customers. And if they have to stretch the truth a little bit and you know make them believe that rates are going up, then they'll, they'll do that just to maintain that portfolio. How top of mind are rates with your buyers, Dora? Very top of mind. I think, I think a lot of people that are on the sidelines right now are just waiting it out. And so if, if people are able to afford the rates right now, it is a very good time to get in the market because we're sort of in this lull of where we were, you know, in the frenzy activity we saw of 2020, 2021, we saw a very, very drastic decline in the volume of sales in 2022, and that was due to the higher interest rates. But right now we're sort of in this lull in this, like, quiet time before I think we see another, you know, shift towards a seller's market. But even though rates are higher than they were last year, prices are down. Are we close to even of what you could get last year for what you can get this year? I think in terms of affordability? Yeah. Well, I th- I know. I think that the, the rates outweigh the pace at which the prices have come down. And in addition to that, the cost of living is so much higher. And so if you are looking to purchase, not only do you have to think about, you know, what you can afford, but it's what you want to afford. Because you have to now pay extra for food, you have to pay extra for gas, you have to pay extra for all sorts of things. And yes, people are still able to save some money with hybrid work coming into play, but it, uh, I think that outweighs it. So I think first-time home buyers, with the rates being where they are, I think not only do they need to come down a little bit, but I think they have to stay down a little bit in order to, to excite those people to come back into the market and give them the ability to purchase. Um, there is a difference, and I think that that's where sort of, you know, the unknown comes in is um, people who are downsizing, people who didn't want to take part in the frenzied activity of the multiple offers and everything else. Those people, if those people start coming into the market and using equity from one home to the next, we can see a lot more activity. And with the inventory, as Frank said, half of what it was in the fall it's it's kind of a wild card right now. Are you expecting a bit of an explosion over the next month? I think so. I think so. I think that uh, buyers are 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 coming out of of the woodwork, and not just you know not necessarily first time buyers, but people who who are 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 experienced purchasers. And uh, I I see it already where their homes their homes that are selling and selling in multiple offer. All right, I'm looking forward to our next segment. It'll be great. You know what? It's some um, some headlines, uh, obviously, over the last couple of months on mortgage fraud. And uh, happy to have a guest uh, that's going to let us know what uh, she's seeing from her end. And she's the president of First Canadian Title, so Daniela's going to join us soon. Yeah, if you, you know, if you got to get a guess, you might as well go to the top, right? Right to the top. I mean, <laughs> we don't do it do usually it. on this show, obviously, <laughs> hey, by hey, the three of hey. us. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. Very nice to have a special guest with us to talk about all this, my goodness, all this mortgage fraud, which we're hearing about. And we're hearing about more and more and more of it. 
And uh, it's big chunks. It's not just mortgage fraud anymore. They want the entire deal. Uh, joining us is President of First Canadian Title, Daniela de Tommaso. Daniela, first of all, before I say anything, let me just say, if I ever had to put together another resume for myself, I'm stealing yours. Wow. wow. You can wow. <laughs> People are stealing everything else. You can steal my resume. <laughs> is there title insurance for resumes? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good that new product concept. Thank you. <laughs> Boy, we're hearing a lot about this, and are we just hearing about it more often now? I mean, we got 30 or so cases in Toronto. Are we hearing about it more, or is it happening more often? It's absolutely happening more often. We're seeing, actually, an alarming increase year over year. And when I think about fraud, the types of frauds that we were seeing in years past, typically related to fraud for shelter, we had individuals that would falsify documents in order to qualify for a higher rate. Um, but now we're actually seeing fraud by third parties, whether it's related to mortgage fraud or now what we've been talking about lately, an increase in the incidence of title fraud, where people are actually selling properties without any knowledge of the purchaser or the homeowner. And just to give you some high-level numbers, you know, pre-2022, this type of fraud would have been relatively insignificant to FCT from an overall perspective. And we're seeing that incidence now in 2022 alone in the multi-million dollar area. As a total percentage of our total claims, because title insurance covers so much more than just fraud, it still remains a low percentage of, of all of our claims. But the rapidly increasing rate with which we're seeing this is concerning from a consumer perspective. But they're getting more sophisticated now, and now they're, they're seeing the profit margin. They're going for the whole nut. Well, absolutely. And it, it's funny you say that because even within the last few weeks, we've seen an increase in, in these instances where, um, you know, it's, to an untrained eye, you will look at the identification and it will look legit. And, and the reality is most people aren't trained to detect. We don't have the resources readily available to be able to perform proper scans, whether it's with various ministries or third-party entities that specialize in this. But as a title company, that's all we do all day long. We have certified fraud examiners. Our job is really as much to prevent these types of frauds as to stand behind our insureds when they do happen. So, you know, we, we don't want these frauds to happen. Obviously, we want to prevent as many claims from occurring as possible. So we will really are that second set of eyes for lawyers, for realtors, for brokers, and obviously for consumers. So what can consumers do to protect themselves? And yeah, a lot like, you know, there's some that have owned their homes for 20, 30 years. Are those the ones that are more susceptible or is it somebody that's even buying the bought a house five years ago? Are they also at risk? I would say that what we're seeing is that everybody is at risk. And, you know, we're, we're finding that this happens often where there are homes that aren't occupied by the homeowner. So if you are a person who has, a secondary property that you're not living in, you know, we suggest making sure that you're even scanning the internet to see if there's listings for your property. As crazy as that sounds, we've seen instances where these properties are actually listed online. Have a friend, a relative, drive by your home, make sure there's not a for sale sign on your property. Make sure that you're keeping your personal information close and, and that it's proprietary and, and you're not sharing it with anybody. Now that goes Those for if you're renting a property too, especially, right? 
Absolutely. And we've seen instances where renters are actually the ones that are perpetrating these types of frauds, yeah. particularly when it comes to mortgage fraud, because, you know, they're living in the home, right. they have access to the information, they know who the owners are, um, and, and we're seeing that as well. Is and there a way to request, like, a title alert on a property to make sure that nobody's putting their nose in your business? Yeah, there are ways that you can monitor your title and also monitor your credit bureau. So you could subscribe to services that allow you to get notified um, and also check your credit bureau regularly to make sure that no one has been, you know, pinging it for information. Those are all ways to do this. But again, what we're seeing is that normally these sales happen quickly. The properties are typically uh, listed for under market value so that sale happens fairly rapidly. And, you know, the saddest thing is that the innocent purchaser of the property, if they don't have title insurance, they are effectively completely unprotected, which doesn't seem like that could be the real consequence of is, but of this, but sadly it is. So you, what happened, Daniela? So I know there was one story that hit the news uh, where a couple came home from Europe. I guess they went to Europe for six months or nine months, and they came home and somebody was living in their home. Uh, because they assumed that, that they bought it. The, you know, the buyers said, we bought the house. And so what happens in that scenario? So in that scenario, if the parties to the transaction are title insured, then it literally is a phone call to the title company to say, my home has been fraudulently sold. Or if you're the purchaser, I purchased a home from a fraudster. And then the title company has what we call a duty to defend. So in addition to having to pay, to pay an insured out on any loss, we also have the obligation to step in and defend our insured. That means we effectively become the insured. We call the police. We deal with the fraud squad. We hire investigators. We pay any legal costs that are incurred in order to having to establish that you are the rightful owner. So we literally step in, we hold your hand, and we put title back in the name of the rightful owner. And if the purchaser was also insured, we would pay them out the value of what they paid for that home. But without title insurance, you're looking at tens of thousands of dollars, right? Well, it, it depends on how long the process takes, but it's certainly thousands of dollars. Also, just the anguish. Most people can't even imagine this is a possibility. So just trying to figure out, what do I do? And then again, if you're not title insured as the purchaser of these homes, you are literally out of luck. So can someone buy title insurance after the fact? So maybe somebody who's got a house that's free and clear, or if they have a mortgage on it, they're also susceptible now. It used to be, I think fraudsters would look for somebody who's got a house free and clear and then put a mortgage on it fraudulently, where now we're starting to see that even if there's a mortgage on the property, it doesn't matter. They're selling it. They're still exactly. getting some equity out of it. I mean, they're not getting all the equity out of it, but. You're absolutely fr right, Frank. And, and that's the most interesting thing. As someone who's on the inside of this, their modus operandi continually changes. So years ago, we saw a type of fraud. As soon as we start to identify certain flags and start to prevent a lot of these, because we prevent a lot of these from happening, they change their game. So we're constantly trying to stay ahead of them. But if you didn't have title insurance when you purchased a home, and many people who purchased homes, you know, 10, 15 years ago may not have title insurance, because of the demand, we introduced what's called an existing homeowner's policy, and you can purchase that at any time during your ownership, and you would have this fraud coverage included in that.
And what's the cost? Is it is it based on the value of the home, or is or is it uh, just a one time fee? It's based on the value of a home. But if you're if you're buying an existing homeowner policy, as an example, the base premium is two hundred dollars. Wow. And then it's a dollar per thousand for as long as you own your home. So it's a one time premium, and it just doesn't cover fraud. Like they're introducing, you know, the vacant uh, home tax in Ottawa in April. And, you know, if there's a lien on a property because the proper filing hasn't taken place, we would cover someone who purchases a home where there are outstanding liens, where there are survey issues. So even though we're talking about fraud right now, fraud is just one of over 30 coverages that someone who buys title insurance gets. I was under the impression that just about every deal that closes today closes with title insurance. Am I wrong? I'd like to say that you are right in certain geographies. So in Ontario, real estate lawyers see the value in, in the coverage and protecting their, their uh, clients. And yes, most real estate deals in Ontario today close with title insurance. As we move, move outside of the province, that pickup rate varies depending on knowledge um, and you know we've, awareness. But people who have owned their home you know, prior to 10 years may not have had that opportunity because title insurance is a pretty new concept here in Canada. And we can check if somebody wants to call us, we'll check to see if they do have title insurance already. And if they don't, we can talk to them about what the, some of the benefits are and they can make a decision as to whether they want to buy it. That was my next question. How do you know if you have it or not? We can run a scan through our database and determine if you have title insurance through us. And who would be able to do that? Where would people be able to get a hold of your company? They can go on our website, which is fct.ca, and get all the information there. And they can just call our one of our team members would be happy to walk them through the process and answer any questions they have. Wow. Especially for seniors, right? You, there's a good chance they probably don't have title insurance if their mortgage is 20 years old or, I mean, they, I or their house is paid. I talked to a lady yesterday, and, and you know, it, it's, it's raising a lot of awareness. And, um, and again, I want to clarify, this is not happening with... You know, we're, we're not seeing thousands of these, but right. when it happens, it is so impactful and meaningful. And if, from my perspective, if there's a way to protect people against this risk, I think it should be a viable option that's considered. Uh, one-time insurance, I mean, it, it makes so much sense. You're talking about, a, you know, an average home, even in Ottawa, that's six, 700000 and to spend a fraction, a small amount, just to have that that coverage and just before we just before we go daniela does your website show exactly what title insurance covers it does it does but again we have a very skilled team uh, there that is happy to speak to anybody who has any questions um, and walk them through whatever scenarios what our coverages are how this all works that's what we're there to do is to answer questions well, much appreciated. We appreciate you, you coming on with us, taking the time, and I am stealing your resume. <laughs> no problem. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and for raising awareness. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank Molto you, grazie, Daniela. Molto grazie. Prego. Niente. Yeah, too Irish again. 521-TALK, eh? <laughs> 521-8255. We will be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Right about now, most of our listeners are going, do we have title insurance? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Most uh, people don't even know where their mortgage is, but I guarantee you today they're going to make sure they got title insurance. Check. 
Well, sure. uh, again, I mean, I think that, um, you know, most lawyers in Ottawa have done a really good job with title insurance. They explain it to clients and they know the value of it. And like Daniela said, I uh, I haven't seen any fraudulent cases. Most of them are in the GTA, the ones that have been reported are in the GTA. I, I meant to ask her that. But, but smaller fraud, are you seeing any of that? People lying now for, on their mortgage application? Well, we still see that, unfortunately. And, uh, but again, like Daniela said, I mean, that's fraud for to have shelter. So. Yeah. They're not, you know, they're going to make their payments. They're going to do everything. They just want to qualify. They can afford it. It's still just, fraud, though. It's still fraud. But they, but again, I mean, they're not stealing money from anyone, where in this case, you've got people that are stealing. And I can't even imagine. Can you imagine going coming to Europe for six for months? Coming home vacation home. Coming home and, you know, <laughs> the, the key doesn't work and you knock and somebody answers and says, what are you talking about? This is my house. I just bought it. Can you imagine being the purchaser? Well, and having somebody and knock on the door and go, this is my house. What yeah. are you doing well, but here? But you yep. wouldn't know who was duping who, right? Yeah. Like if yep. you're the purchaser, you're thinking that somebody is 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 fraudulently telling you that they own the house. And it, it, it's a and these fraudsters have got thing. like fake passports. They're scanning oh. fake passports to show. I mean, it's, you really have to do your due diligence. It's, it's no different than the fraud for shelter that, you know, I think happens a lot more in the GTA. There's more opportunity in the GTA to do it. And. The numbers are bigger in the GTA, you know, when you're committing fraud. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, some of the some of the clients and some of the lenders have told me they get notice of assessments and tax returns that look absolutely legit. Yeah. But they are they're fraud. fraudulent. They're yeah. totally fraud, but they look legit. They do everything to make it look like it's 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 authentic. But um Again, we're, this is where the government's trying to come up with the open banking, and there's people that resist on the open banking aspect, but the open banking will allow the lenders to be able to have access to bank accounts and verify you know, deposits and verify paychecks going in, payroll going in, so that it, they try to eliminate the fraud, and they present it that way. But there's a number of Canadians, and I think myself included, I, I don't want. I don't want open banking. Like yeah. I want to be able to give you information if I have to, but I don't want you to have access to it whenever you want. Yeah, so, I, I agree with that. Mm. Yeah, so that's why they're struggling getting it across the finish line. Uh, some countries have, have adapted the open banking. I think you know there's got to be a fix. There's got to be a compromise somewhere where open banking is used for certain things and and has a deadline to it where you know you got 24 hours to look at somebody's activity if you want to look at bank activity but even though well and because they get access to the actual banks they're not relying on statements that are fraudulent and it's too easy to prepare fraudulent statements these days so now where's the responsibility with real estate agents and homeowners these days i mean you can only do so much you you go to somebody's house you assume they own it right well i mean we we have to verify id and we have to verify that the i mean looking at the id and there are certain markers on id that will will let you know whether it's it's legitimate or not but if it's a good fraudulent document i well, don't yeah, have yeah and don't forget too. these people have gone past right. real estate if, agents lawyers that's right. two sets of lawyers that's right. So, so the lawyers. I mean, there are there are different websites and there are things that we can do. But really, the the onus, I think, comes down to to the lawyers. We have to do our due diligence. Absolutely, you have to verify that the people who are selling the house are who they are. But if they have a whole conglomerate of paperwork, as Frank is saying, and they've got fake documentation and fake passports, 
I don't know that there are the average realtor is going to have the skill set to identify. A- yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't leave it just to the to the. Well, realtor. never mind a realtor. Lawyers will tell you the That's same right. thing. Like we're yeah. we're educated. I mean, yes. we well, look got for through certain lawyers things. and bankers, right? Yes. So yeah. we're looking for certain things, but yes. you know, again, yeah. we're not experts. You know, ideally, again, part of the open banking would be open, where you know someone can type in the. The driver's license number. If somebody gave me a driver's license, if there was a website we can go to, type in the driver's license number, and it would pop up with the actual picture on the ministry. Because what they're doing is they're it, they're taking that driver's license, putting their own their picture own on it. That's right. So this way, at least we can have that. But again, privacy issues is preventing some of that stuff from happening moving forward. And uh, I already and think the banks know the too much. <laughs> well, that's just it, right? So, <laughs> so at what point are we invading someone's privacy? Now you look back five, ten years ago. How many more questions are asked by banks today compared to oh, then? Oh, my Lord. There is no s- such thing as a straightforward deal. I used to be able to send it in, and, and my notes, honestly, to an underwriting, uh, to the underwriter would be slam dunk, wish they were all this easy. Can never put that anywhere now because even if you send in a file where it's an existing bank customer, you send them the statements, they still come back with these obscure questions just to verify that it's that person. So I, I had a I had a client who had a down payment coming with a gift letter from a parent and then the bank wanted to verify that the parent yes, had that had money, the money. Had the money. And then so how far back does one go? Ninety right? days so they want ninety days bank statements that's from right. the gift or yes. because they want to make sure that the gift or that's right. <laughs> Isn't laundering any money. That's so, and how much laundering there. is there really in mortgages? One tenth of one percent, because most people that are laundering money don't need a mortgage. That's right. Exactly. They yes. just don't need a mortgage. So, when somebody's yeah. putting, when, to me, I always say if somebody's buying a $500,000 home and they're putting $25,000 down payment, you really think they're laundering $25,000? It's a lot of effort for $25,000. It, it really is. And, mm-hmm. and they're buying a house where the mortgage, by the time you put the default insurance in there, and pay all the other fees. You're really it's costing you five hundred thousand, and you're borrowing five hundred thousand. It, it really, it, it's just absurd. But again, they don't want to discriminate. They don't want to, so they just it's carte blanche across for yes. everybody. The same rules are for everybody, regardless of whether it's five percent down or whether it's fifty percent down. Yeah, don't like it. So don't like it either. And Paul, I guess, didn't get stranded. He's not on the SS Minnow because somehow he texted me and said that he was listening to the show. Oh, <laughs> hi, Paul. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, did did you yeah. see where he's listening to the show from? What some some boat? The SS Minnow. It's the SS Minnow. It just hasn't you know the storm hasn't hit yet. He might not be here next week. I think it, no. It's actually I look closer. It's the Rushforth Minnow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I can guarantee is if he is here next week, he probably isn't buying breakfast. So oh, there you go. All right, back to our current market. What are we doing? It's uh, end of January. When are we listing? Are we waiting until? Later in February, early in March, or is the market, do you anticipate, going to go a little crazy over the next few months? Definitely a sense of optimism among buyers today. Um, Inflation is coming off of its peak. The one thing that I will say, which I thought was very, very interesting, last week, there are 2,030 units for sale. Last week in the last seven days, 117 sales, which doesn't seem like very many at all, but the market is is picking up. 44 of the residential properties that sold, so more than 50% of the residential properties that sold, sold under $650,000. Under six fifty. Under six fifty. Wow. Under so, six fifty, but over asking or about near asking? About near asking. And I think that's the really important thing right now is if the, the inventory 
continues the way it is and the scarcity of buyers continues the way it is, we're pretty much in a balanced market. So at four months, we're in a balanced market, and it does feel like we're there in certain pockets. And the thing to understand is in Ottawa, neighborhoods don't perform in a vacuum. And I think that that's where working with someone who knows the city, who can work across the whole city and can talk to you about the different nuances of each individual neighborhood and how they work together. Because every part of the city is going to work together. Um, that's Are some neighborhoods doing better than others? Some neighborhoods always do a little bit better than others. And, and what, about, what about Snack Bracket? Are we looking at you know, $600,000, $500,000 condos? $900,000 homes. I think on I, with, the, with the way the pricing has come down throughout the city, I think really we're seeing a, a more conservative market. Um, I, the larger homes are selling. There are a lot of people who were in the larger homes that didn't sell for the last few years and who are now looking to list those homes. Um, snack bracket really in and around the 700000 is 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 very, very good. But with the number of the, the inventory that is out there, I think listing now in order to transact before the summer, very, very good time. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering because if you wait, then you're going to have more competition. Again. You're going to have more competition and the days on market is longer. So if you want to transact and if you sort of think the average close is 30, 90 days, you're working backwards. If you want to move by the summer, working backwards, if it takes you a month to sell your house now, now's the time to do it. And the thing to remember is that there is choice for buyers. So if you are thinking of selling before the spring, before, I mean, sorry, if you're thinking of selling before the fall, start getting your house ready. Have us in. Do the things that you can do. Get your house cleaned. Get your house organized. Make it feel very fresh and airy because with buyers being able to pick and choose and have the luxury of time. I mean, a year ago, if you had 15 minutes in a house, um, you were lucky. And then at that point, you had to make a decision. Right now, you can go see a house. You can take a week, perhaps. You can go see it again, and you can really think. So that's where the homes that are shining are really, really, really... Um, so, yeah, a year and a half ago, you could put anything on the market. It would go. Now it's got to show, right? It really has to show. The, the, we can't change the location of your home. Please make sure that your house is priced appropriately because if you're pricing it too high, you're going to miss some of that market. And if you're pricing it too low, people are afraid to price it too low. But truly, the, the you can't really underprice a house in this market because people are still used to paying for a quality item. Mm. Um, get it get it ready, and and I think now is now is a really really good time to start thinking about putting it up in the next week or two. You better get and you yes, better sir. get pre-approved. What a house that would have sold maybe a year ago for nine thirty today sell for seven fifty is that. Is it that big of a gap that it's come down? And only because I see these mortgage brokers, most of them are from Toronto, and they post, while well, a year ago you would have paid 930 with a 5% down payment and with the interest rates where they were a year ago, here's what your monthly payment is. Today, you're going to buy that same house for 750 And even though the interest rate's higher, your monthly payment is virtually the same because you put less of a down payment because it's 750 instead of 930 But your monthly payment's virtually the same despite the fact that the interest rates have gone up as much as they have. Is that... Like, you know, and I look at that, I say, that's got to be Toronto because that's 180000 bucks. is a big, big gap. It, it, does, big it does happen here. It now, does. Say, not okay. with that same frequency, but if I'm thinking of a specific neighborhood, there was a home that was listed last year 
four-bedroom home, the exact same model, sold at a million dollars last year and sold at seven hundred and sixty thousand dollars wow. this year. Yeah, that's so big. there is there is a big drop. So some neighborhoods, the the spike at which the prices increase went up a lot faster in some areas of, of Ottawa. They've come down and they've come down still higher than where we were when we started. But some of them have come down with with a bit more. Would it be safe to say the slope? higher the value a year ago, the more of a gap now? We're going to start to see negative. I numbers, think we're going right? to see negative For numbers, the next four months. and I think I think right now because Ottawa has grown so quickly, there's a lot of new construction, a lot of newer houses, and the people who are looking to buy. I think sometimes prefer to have a home where they don't have to invest a lot of capital and do a lot of renovations. Yeah. So sometimes the higher price homes are keeping their value, and the ones that need a little bit work, we're seeing come down in price a little bit more quickly. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five. Back with our final January segment. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back. Doris here for Paul. Frank's here for Frank. You know, if I'm away, I don't listen to the show. Like, I'm enjoying my family (laughs) and my friends. He he has no friends. Paul has no friends. Clearly, he has no life because he's texting us. You know, if if I'm on a boat in the Virgin Islands, the first thing I'm doing is listening, listening to, to Open to House, the real estate and mortgage yep. show. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm thinking, too. Yep. <laughs> hey, let's talk about guarantors. We haven't talked about guarantors for a while, and I'm guessing with rates the way they are right now, people are going to need a little help from their parents if it's possible. First-time home buyers have been on the sidelines. I think probably Dora can vouch for it yeah. based on the real estate sales. Yeah. You know, you're not seeing them uh, you know as often as we did over the last two years and and they no. took advantage of the low interest rates and the fact that they can get into the market but even then we were seeing parents as guarantors now it's even more important because as the interest rates are elevated it's that much tougher to qualify and in some cases and listen a lot of these uh you know first-time home buyers can afford the house itself so if yes. they did their budget they can afford the payment even with the elevated interest rates they're comfortable with it it's just that you have to qualify at two percent above your contract rate. So, even today, that we're close to four and a half percent now for a five-year fix. If someone were to take a five-year fix, so the crazy part now is we used to use variable to qualify them. We can't use variable anymore now that you know prime rate is where it's at. They have to qualify at eight and a half percent, which insane. is That's insane. So high. <laughs> it's insane. Where on a fix, they can qualify at six and a half percent. So. Uh, so all of a sudden, you're almost forcing them to take that five-year fix to qualify unless they get their parents in as guarantors where they can take the variable if they feel that interest rates are coming down. But you know, guarantor is a really good program, and the banks don't advertise it because they don't they don't like the guarantor program. They like oh, the right. co-signer program. So as a co-signer, a parent and or parents, and I've had scenarios where you know, it, it's a couple, and both one parent from each is is going on to help them yes, qualify. Yeah. So, as a co-signer, that parent or parents co-own the house with them, and they're on the mortgage, so that it restricts them from you know being able to qualify for. In other words, it counts against them as a mm-hmm. debt. Mm-hmm. So, and there's no investment income coming from it because their kids are living in it. So it's 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 a it's a pure debt for them. It'll but show us the same debt on both then, right? Same, yes. yes. On all, on all parties. Yeah, yeah. Anybody that's yeah. in. 
as a guarantor, it doesn't show up on credit bureaus. It doesn't show up on title. You're not on title on the property. It's basically an agreement with the lender that if the mortgage were to go into arrears, the guarantor, you know, they would like to see the guarantor step in and bring the mortgage up to date and make sure that it continues to stay up to date. If the guarantor, and again, there's going to be circumstances where maybe, you know, they get in a fight and they don't like each other anymore. And, you know, if the parent says, I don't think so, I'm not involved, the parent needs to understand that they're still obligated potentially. But what happens is, obviously, if the payment gets to 90 days in arrears, they now the bank and or lender is going to take legal action. And if there's a loss at the end of the sale, that's where the guarantor could be on the hook. So, uh, again, if the but if the, the legal action there, wouldn't come fine. against the guarantor. Well, it would come against all parties. The guarantor is signed, so the legal action would yeah. come against the guarantor in that scenario. But it's a fantastic program. It and really is. It's a because fantastic program. And most I wish parents, more people yeah, don't want to be untitled. That's right. Most they people don't no want to be untitled, but yet want to help their children. Yes. And so if you're working with someone who, who knows about this, if you're working with someone like Frank who can offer you this, absolutely, it's the way to go if you need help. And it doesn't have to be a huge chunk of money, does it? Maybe well, just enough to get you over the edge. Again, so so we're also seeing a lot of living inheritances happening yes. ahead of time. So where parents are, you know, they're they're saving the money for when they pass away to give to their kids. But in some cases, they're saying we want to give. In this scenario, not every parent wants to actually give the cash away. So this is an opportunity for the parent to help the kids move out of their basement or move out of their home <laughs> and help them get into a house of their own uh, without actually having to give any cash unless, you know, the kid doesn't even have any down payment, then they may have to help with the but 5% down. then you have a down. vacant kitchen in your basement. What right. happens? Well, <laughs> listen, what listen happens if you're then? Italian, every single Italian will call in and tell you those both kitchens are used no matter if there's one person in the I'm house or Italian, five I'm not Italian and I wish I had house. a second so, kitchen. <laughs> so, but, and do you uh, have to be related to be a guarantor? Uh, yes, it has mm-hmm. to be immediate family. So it's very, very specific on the guarantor who could be. It has to be Mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, brother, sister, and that's it. There's, there's so, no outside of that. So when are you adopting me? <laughs> um, you know, um, you know, we talked about real estate and stuff, and builders out there too are are struggling a little bit. And I've yes. certainly had some conversations with builders where, you know, um, you know, somebody may have bought a house 16 months ago, and now it's it's almost ready, and all of a sudden their bank is advising them that they don't qualify anymore now. Again, from our understanding, we don't do a lot of builder deals because we don't have lenders that give us, you know, two-year rate holds where some mm-hmm. of the banks will give two-year rate holds. From our understanding, the lenders we work with, if we get a pre-approval from our lender, then uh, uh, unless there's some change from a standpoint of the price changing and they need more money, once we get the default insurer approval, yes, then that client is approved regardless of what the interest rate is. So... Because it's at the time of the contract signing. Yeah. But some banks, unfortunately, didn't send the file to the default insurer. And mm. now all of a sudden they're doing it now that the house is almost ready. Too late. And now it's too late because now the default insurer is saying you have to use today's rates now. Because it doesn't matter that they bought the house in January of 2021. Yeah. Because you're sending us the file now, we got to use today's qualifying rate. And, and, and some and clients don't qualify, which is causing a big Big problem for That's builders right. because here they're anticipating clients are ready to move in. They've done everything, built mm-hmm. the house for them. And once they're notifying the client and saying, hey, okay, your house is 90 days away from being ready, the client's writing back and saying, yeah, we can't afford it now. Our yeah. bank won't approve us. So, yeah. um, you know, 
get second opinions for sure. Like, you know, I truly, truly believe that even though if you're buying from a builder, and I've said it for, for a long time, if you're buying from a builder, you know, the banks can give you a two-year rate hold, which is awesome. And if you got one two years ago, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yes, imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic, right? But at the very least, make sure that they've sent the file to the default insurer and you get a default insurer number. If they haven't done that, if you're buying with less than 20% down, Could if they haven't done that, then get go to a broker and get at least a mortgage approval. Even though the rate's not held, get a mortgage approval with the default insurer number on there. Birthdays. Uh, just a few. Um I've got uh, obviously my uh, my son celebrating his birthday tomorrow. Twenty eight. My little guy is twenty eight <laughs> years old. It is crazy to think yeah. how my little boy's already turned uh, twenty eight. But uh, Karen and uh, Victoria celebrating their birthday as well. So happy birthday to them, Dora. Nothing for me. How do we get a hold of you? Dora at paulrushforth.com. Frank N. at mortgagebrokersottawa.com. And uh, thanks again to Daniela DiTomaso, oh, yeah, president of First Canadian Title. If you want to check and learn about title insurance, it's fct.ca. And again, support local businesses and charities. And unfortunately, Paul will be back next week. So thank you, Dora, for filling in for two weeks. Yes, thank you, Dora. And thanks very much, you guys. Paul coming back, don't worry. You don't have to listen. <laughs>